passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our WrestleMania 37 post show. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting. We are live just moments after the conclusion of night two of WrestleMania. How are you doing tonight, Wei? Not bad, John. Yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm doing extremely well when it's three and a half hours after the show started and we're here to talk about the show and I don't have to remember what happened uh, this afternoon in the first match. Yeah, um, we really kind of said everything we wanted to say about, I think, the length of the show yesterday, but uh, uh, certainly covering it from home, I'm in favor of it. Being there, potentially, in, you know, for something like this, I I think I would enjoy it too. But um, yeah, I don't really see them doing it next year. How did you find this week, given that last year was not really a traditional week, but being uh, home to cover all of this stuff this week, um, what were the differences you found versus, uh, you know, uh, besides the obvious of being there? I, I found it pretty convenient. Honestly, it was just like, you know, finding enough time throughout the week to watch everything. Um, I, it was very manageable and very comfortable doing it all from my couch. Um, of course, there's something incredibly different about being in the city and being in the atmosphere of, you know, a wrestling town. There's nothing like that. And that's something I do miss. But as far as, you know, being able to catch all the shows, it's actually kind of easier to, to do that from home. Yeah, I found, you know, from like the reporting side, it's a great benefit to be at all of these shows and people that you're catching up with and speaking with. Um, but in terms of just trying to consume a more more wide variety of stuff, I found that to be uh, a bit of a, a positive for, for this one. Um, so there was more you could catch. And I've got to say i definitely didn't have any uh reservations about not being able to to be there either i thought we it was you know in, in other ways it's a lot easier when you're back at home uh to cover all of this stuff too yeah and again some great coverage on the site this week from uh john Cena, andrew thompson eric marcotte so shout outs to all those guys all right. Uh, before we go into WrestleMania, uh, just off the top, I wanted to uh, issue our condolences to both uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who lost her stepfather on Saturday, as well as uh, Matt and Jeff Hardy, who lost their father uh, this past Tuesday. Uh, they made that announcement earlier today. So I thought just off the top, we could uh, mention that. So condolences to all of them and uh, their families over that news. Uh, but we go over to WrestleMania. Uh, we're going to run through the show. And then, like last night, we will open up the phone lines uh, with your reaction to the second night. And uh, the main headline, at least at the start of the show, way, was that they were able to avoid uh, Mother Nature. Uh, weather was not tremendous throughout the day in Tampa, but the worst of it cleared uh, by the time uh, 8 o'clock rolled around. And they definitely got luckier tonight than they did the night prior. They had no issues. Started right on time. And uh, it's always, you know, 
of course it, with wrestling there's always going to be some drama with uh with events and do you think they learned any, any lessons from this experience this year I would certainly think that for I mean they're not going to have this problem next year but I would say for future years that there will be more of that I I think of like a built-in contingency plan that I don't think it will be a case of if something like that were to happen um that there's not like a solid plan in place now that they've actually experienced this because I think like there is something to the fact that they have been extremely lucky when it's come when it has come to running outdoor events and for this I think you you got to see them for like 25 minutes have to kind of scramble on the fly and not to say it was a disaster but I think that they're this is a company that is so much about control uh, that much it, more so for your biggest card of the year it could have been a disaster could have been far worse than what you know just maybe delaying the thing by 20 minutes well, uh, remember absolutely. the remember the year at the Super Bowl was this um, in New Orleans went the Super Bowl like the power went out and WWE was going to be running that that stadium so I'm sure that there was you know that concern of like what would we do if there was a power outage and I'm I'm certain that Kevin Dunn and that department have gone through like disastrous scenarios that you have to be prepared for when you're doing live broadcasts to this degree and for this amount of time without the ability to have commercial interruption or throwing to uh, canned programming. Like you kind of you're on your own when something like this occurs. Well, what what can you see them doing in the future? I mean, I could just see like potential issues of like, hey, if. If ever we have a 30-minute delay, a 60-minute delay, it's a look at, like, I could see certain elements of, you know, incorporating your panel a bit more. I mean, ultimately, you're, you're killing time. And I think that it's leaning on the right personalities that can navigate you through this. And I think we kind of got a mixture of those that were comfortable on Saturday and others that were deer in the headlights uh, for this. So in, in in that sense, I could just see more. It, it I think everyone can agree it felt very... Um, very rushed and very sporadic, which it was. And I just think the company that for the next time that they have that, it'll just be, I think something more managed and more that if that happens, it's not going to be this curveball that it felt like on Saturday. I imagine they'll do like what they do in other sports, you know, just kind of a lot more uh, discussion, you know, from your expert panel with wrestling. I mean, it's, uh, I don't, I, I, I really do have like the kickoff this year was so pointless. Um, and I just really have my fill of like people trying to kayfabe discuss these storylines. Uh, you can only watch so much of it, but you know, a rain delay will, um, what else can you really do? Maybe Michael Cole throws to our Meteora all just Sasha Banks. No, oh, very good. Excellent. Yes. Well, uh, tonight's uh, kickoff had uh, much less drama because the weather was not the same issue once we were into the preview uh, with Kayla Braxton, Booker T, JBL, Jerry Lawler, and Peter Rosenberg. Uh, what I took from this entire hour was a discussion about Riddle and Booker T questioning how many people have actually become world champions working barefoot. Of all the criticism of Riddle, not like this goofball wearing a, or riding a scooter to become champion, this awful comedy. No, it's being barefoot. That is where he draws the line. And JBL was bringing up like Antonina Rocca, Kevin Von Erich. He even mentioned like the UFC. I mean, we could have got into Yokozuna and others, but Rosenberg just asked Booker, are you just being an old school hater? And Booker T said, no, I'm not. It's just a question. 
How can you become a world champion if you're barefoot? So this was the kickoff show. Oh, I hate these fucking things. I had to mute them. Like it usually like I'll I'll watch them just in case there's anything newsworthy. Uh obviously if there's a match, but like when it's just like, man, uh it I just I don't like the chemistry of the panel at all and it's just overall uh, I think as, the worst as, parts of their personalities coming out often. Well, um oh god, what was uh Jerry Lawler had a br- another brutal joke uh, for tonight. Oh, it was like beyond late to the dance. He tells the panel that after last night, I'm dubbing this WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and they all just stood there. And JBL was like, "Yeah, I think that one was used a time or two last night, Jerry." <laughs> like, wow, that's that's pretty goddamn witty. WrestleMania. And then he said, I think uh, this is God getting his revenge for his match at WrestleMania or Backlash 2006. Jerry, that's that's hilarious. Anyway, I, I will say, overall, I preferred this format of less matches per night and no pre-show matches. Like, I will take this 60 minutes of largely, like, an infomercial for those that maybe are not up to speed on some of the characters and stories versus... Like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the kickoff matches to begin with. I think right away you're sort of branding these as completely throwaway matches. I don't think they serve the function people think that, oh, I'm going to see some wrestling, and that's going to really, like, jumpstart me to order the network and stick around for this show. I don't think anyone is making their decision based off that. Um, And in terms of warming up a crowd, well, I don't think any of the crowds this weekend needed to be warmed up for anything. But um, obviously for future, I'm sure that it will return to the usual format. Yeah. Uh, as far as, you know, differences from last night, they did roll out a red uh, carpet onto the ramp, which many people think is credited to Tony Khan's suggestion, but you know, who knows? Could have been well, from anybody. Well, we recycled the exact same video package from the night prior. And then Ashlyn Kraft, the new voice of country music performed America, the beautiful. And our show opened up with Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan. And they came out dressed as pirates. And there were there were boos for Hogan Saturday. They were vociferous on Sunday. This was very audible. And um, just a brutal segment where they had to do this lame, like, pirate speak to introduce the show. Just, like, a terrible start. The crowd was yay booing. Every time they took turns speaking between Titus and Hogan, and it was just, to me, a complete disaster. It was painful. Um, you know, I think seeing some of the clips that people took from last night uh, for, on their cell phone footage, you could definitely tell um, they were already pretty vocal then. Uh, but this this time, I think they were prepared for it by limiting Hogan's speech and even piping in a lot of crowd noise. But even that, I don't think was enough to hide it. It, it was, was very, very noticeable. Very noticeable. Yeah, and just tells you like what a disaster of a choice this was to to put him in this spot, to put Titus O'Neil in this spot. It was extremely awkward every time they were out there. Yeah, I mean, it really does uh, beg the question of like the like the the positive negative that you weigh of utilizing a Hulk Hogan in this role. Like, I certainly think that they're going to still find that value in him to appear on raw like once or twice a year. And it's just for these, 
Like he's in a position now to be an ambassador, a legend that you put out in front of the public. And for a long time, it was like you can throw him out there and it's like the audience that is there live is not going to have the same reaction as, you know, people at home and people online are going to have towards Hogan. But that was not the case on either night. And I I thought it was like a really down note on both nights that it, I think, forced your audience to have to confront why this man is being booed and does WWE want to be reminding people on such significant shows that they're running? Well, if the man in his own hometown is getting booed like this, I don't know. I mean, maybe there are other places in the country where he would receive a warm reaction, but I think those places are getting fewer and fewer. And, you know, at this point, you're dealing with an audience that is getting up there in age who are less and less um, nostalgic for Hulk Hogan. And instead of, you know, being reminded of his great years as a the leader of this brand of this company people are reminded of something far worse when they see hulk hogan not to mention like the sentiment coming out of the first night it's like that was so much about like bianca belair and sasha banks and this is how we're kicking off tonight's show like you were like look what book ended the first night like you had these two strong black champions and bobby lashley and bianca belair And like this wave of positivity from that main event. And this to me is just a cloud over top of that. And it's like, it is what it is. And I think that that's, that's where people are. It's like, it's not a feel good legend showing up at WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, by this point they were committed to it. So, you know, they had to do it. It almost felt like his, his, um, they didn't even do real American on this show. So it it felt like they were definitely like deliberately, muting his appearances by keeping them to the minimum um and at that point i really do question what the benefit of it was at all so opening up the show was randy orton and the fiend and out came white trunks randy and he is Mm -hmm. in the ring Uh, they then played a video package for about the equivalent of what the weather delay was on saturday uh this video package felt like 25 minutes alexa bliss entered And there's a giant jack-in-the-box ringside that Bliss winds up, and out comes The Fiend. This is after we had seen the Swamp version of The Fiend uh, literally in front of our eyes morph into the traditional version of The Fiend. So he Through through like a magic portal. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I I think Fez did this once. I think it was uh, for a Buddy Rogers match, I think. Um, So The Fiend pops out. The best part I can say about any of this was that The Fiend did incorporate this subtle tribute for Brody Lee that a a lot of people picked up on. Uh, But then there was the rest of this. He leaps off the box with a flying clothesline as the match begins. And, you know, a very famous WrestleMania song was, Give me the green light. Well, in 2021, you got the red light. And this was the red light of death. That was incorporated. The Fiend was in control. He eventually set up for Sister Abigail when Alexa appeared on the box with the black goo gushing out of her forehead, um, akin to John Moxley at Bloodsport uh, on Thursday. This distracted the Fiend and allowed Randy to capitalize and hit the RKO for the win in five minutes and 54 seconds. The Fiend just stood aghast at what Alexa was doing as this black shit is exploding out of her forehead. The lights go out. That was it for these months 
I'm going to preface this by saying I don't have a better answer of what you could have done that would have made this a positive, but this was awful. This will probably be among the worst matches of the year, and I think a running away with worst feud of the year. The, the only positive that I can say is that it was six minutes, but with that video package and such, this was almost like a half hour that was dedicated to this. Yeah. I I expected some cinematic component to it, got nothing of the sort. Instead, it was just about half a match with a totally confusing finish. And I would say if this was a raw ending, you know, an ending for a TV show, I think it would have felt unsatisfying. But I think I would have at least understood them using something like this to create a cliffhanger for another episode. Um, But for a WrestleMania match that is supposed to be a conclusion that is months in the making after several matches already between these two, this was just so, so awful. And so disappointing. This guy um, has survived burning. He has survived uh, drowning. He has also many a time survived RKO's. And this was the magic one that kept him down. Like it didn't even have any semblance of consistency to this god awful story that they have told. I just thought, like, what you knew <laughs> this didn't creep up on you that we were going to be in a live setting here. So. I don't know what was the, the intent here, but it was just like, this was terrible. They did not del- deliver something that would be satisfying from a live setting perspective. They didn't even deliver something that would have been satisfying for a non-fan perspective. It, we had no conclusion at all to anything here. Uh, it was like, so basically now, what is it? Sister app, like it's what? Alexa Bliss causing a distraction finish via black goo dripping yes. down her face and it just kind of leads to more questions than answers uh, and really more confusion. And I think more distaste than anything for this feud that already had Literally. plenty of it. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So it was uh, the worst thing on the show by leaps and bounds. Yeah. On both shows, I have to say worse than yep. the tag team turmoil match. I mm. thought the entrance, you know, actually looked really cool. You had a crowd that was there for it. They were reacting big. At least I think they were reacting big. Cause like, you can't tell at this point if, if you got the real, swooping but. crane shot with Randy. I mean, it was a really cool shot for him. But I mean, when we're talking about the uh, the camera angles as the high point of the match, I think that says it all. That's I think why I was so disappointed is like, you know, this was the match for them to throw out all the craziest shit. You know, like it might it could have been just as confusing by the end. But I think if they put enough effort into the, the wild theatrics of it all, I think people would have left at least with some form of satisfaction. A live burning of a carcass would have created a better satisfying ending than this, which was just, again, half a match. And then uh, this kind of like non sequitur, you know, Alexa Bliss coming out and bleeding, causing a weak distraction. So very disappointing and a terrible way to start the show. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, even the other way that I mean, there are people like myself that probably nothing was going to be satisfactory, but I think to what this story has been, there would have been a portion of people that, I mean, you were essentially promised, like, this has to be, like, the craziest mind trip of all. And they were, like, right up until, like, the bump today, you've got Randy on there saying, like, in his own words, there's going to be some crazy shit tonight. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was, I mean, you know, but it wasn't not really that crazy. Yeah. No, by the stand, like, we've seen the black goo stuff. Like, that's not even... 
a new element to this whole awful, just awful. Hogan and Titus are backstage with Eric Bischoff and Bailey shows up, says she's a big fan of Bischoff podcast, mentions her own show. And Bischoff is talking about how Sasha and Belair would be great guests. And Bailey just downplayed them. And this was like a two minute commercial for 83 weeks. I don't know how Bischoff managed this in there, but that's essentially what they got here. I I think they're just looking for anything to fit into uh, these segments with these legends. And um, I don't know. That's what he's got going on right now. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against Tamina and Natalia for the Women's Tag Team Championship. You know, we heard all about Chris Jericho talking about um, how much he, I oh, guess, yeah. how insulted he is about being the second match on a WrestleMania. Um, I don't know if it would easier or worse for these four to have to follow what we just watched. Uh, well, they did follow it, in my opinion, um, <laughs> in the uh, the dreaded number two slot on WrestleMania. Um, so early on, it's Jax demanding Tamina. And uh, what I will say about this is that, um, you know, Jax and Tamina were in this for like a fair amount. It wasn't like they just leaned on Natalia and Baszler. Um, Tamina got taken out with a body slam on the floor. So Natalia had to fight from underneath while Baszler attacked her ankle. And it's the heels attacking Natalia until she makes the tag to the returning Tamina. And Jax is back in with Tamina and starts yelling, You ain't shit! I'm King Kong! And with this, Tamina fires back, I guess she was Godzilla, and hit a big scoop slam and gets a near fall. And you got a crowd reacting to a Tamina Nia Jax near fall. She goes to the top, super fly splash, but... Uh, misses. Baszler makes the blind tag, but Natalia knocks Baszler to the floor, doesn't realize the tag has been made, and applies the sharpshooter to Naya, which is broken by Baszler returning, applying the Kirifuda clutch, and submitting Natalia in 14 minutes and 19 seconds. I would not have predicted this would be the second longest match on the show tonight, but it was. Um, I'm not going to tell you either that this was the best match on the show, but it blew away anything in the turmoil match the night prior, and I would say this certainly overachieved. I thought they had a fine match, uh, especially for the excessive, I wouldn't say excessive, but definitely longer than I thought that this one was going to get. I thought it was a good match and definitely exceeded, exceeded my expectations, and you know, for the first time in a long time, I felt like we caught again the, you know, um, the element of the surprise crowd reaction, because I don't know if anybody there, I don't know if, um, you know, any people uh, producing the show or me, you know, we expected that this would somehow be Tamina's moment. This was the moment where there were several Tamina chants, you know, where to the point where it felt like she was the lead baby face in this match. You're going into this match with like really two heel teams, but I think by default, because Shayna and Nia had become so dominant and I think so unlikable, uh, it felt like the crowd was putting all their expectation and, you know, um, focus on somebody like Tabina, who came into this feel, came out of this feeling like the veteran who, you know, had been largely disregarded in her very long tenure within this company. So if that was the intent behind this match, and certainly like much of the spots were crafted towards a babyface reaction for Tamina, I think they did a great job building sympathy for her. It felt for her like an earned moment. Um, 
but I don't know if they would have expected it to be this strong. And considering the reaction being that strong, I really do think the uh, the finish should have been the other way around. I would have had Natalia and Tamina win this to kind of cement them as the babyface team. And create um, a it, team in the division. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. sorely needing one. Um, you, you could have gone with that. Um, yeah, but it was a also, also match. No, also, no Reginald. You're right. Yeah, wow. So it seems like, uh, yeah, that was, to me, a pretty notable absence here because he's been so linked to um, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. But, um, yeah, certainly, I mean, credit that they, you know, I think exceeded expectations here. A, a good match. I'll, I'll, I will definitely say that. JBL was on commentary for the next match, and Sami Zayn introduces Logan Paul and um, definitely got his share of booze here. But I think that the th- this was a case where I think it was going to be interesting to see if the WWE, like I 100% expected this reaction. And I thought the only way to, to end this was one clear spot, and that is Paul taking a bump. And I was hoping that that's where they would go. And to their credit, I think they they had that same read. So Zayn and Owens uh, pretty much uh, transported themselves to Core Q and Hall in the G1 and had this nine-minute goddamn sprint. It was just, um, I think RJ City said it best, that this match was done with both men on special for the entire time. Uh, Zayn immediately runs into a pop-up powerbomb. They go to the floor. Owens teases an apron bomb. There is a brain buster on the edge of the apron delivered to Kevin Owens. And then Zane hits a Michinoku driver that Corey Graves corrects Michael Cole, who called it a blue thunder, a blue thunder uh, bomb. And Michael Cole thanks Corey Graves saying, thanks. I heard enough of it last night. So poor yeah. Michael Cole going on to what, what a just a haven to go on to Twitter after last night's main event for him. Yeah, um, if I was Michael Cole, I don't think I'd be checking Twitter much. No. Um, Owens then headbutts Zane off the turnbuckle, lands a splash. Uh, there was an exploder into the corner. It's just nonstop back and forth. And then he hits the blue thunder bomb, gets a two count. They're at this rapid pace. Owens hits a fisherman buster off the turnbuckle. And then Owens is set into the corner and rocked with a haluva kick. Zane goes for another two super kicks, stop him. And Owen hits the stunner. Nine minutes and 17 seconds. You know, considering, I think, um, how monumental maybe this might be personally for the two of them. I, they didn't have a ton of time to do this match, but it was enough. Uh, they didn't get a ton of kickouts, but still, they with the time they had, they filled it to the brim with their favorite, most impressive moves, all of them done to perfection. It was a consistently, thoroughly exciting, fun wrestling match, full of action and no Logan Paul bullshit. All of that stuff was just kept to the end uh, to, you know, just deliver that one moment we all wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, this to me was like the, um, this was like your demo reel that you send in. It's like... Tell me about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This was like taking a 22-minute match and condensing it into nine. Uh, and that's what they did here. Like, there was no uh, chance to catch your breath throughout this. I thought it was like fun, fast-paced match from start to finish. And you're right. They limited. Like, Logan Paul just sat there. And it was all for the post-match, which Logan Paul got into the ring. And he went to congratulate Owens, this pissed-off Zayn, who gets shoved to the ground by Logan. And Zayn throws a fit and leaves Paul raises Owen's arm and the crowd boos. 
Owens just looks confused. And what I loved about this was that he let he just milked it. Every person knew what was coming, but you gave them that extra couple of seconds to realize what was going to happen and exp- and anticipate it. And boom, he killed them with the stunner. And then he went to the he went to the ground. His wife and kids were in the front row, and he also gave a hug to Vladimir, the super fan. Uh, so I, I thought this was like a pretty great overall presentation from the match and the post match. I think you got everything you could have wanted out of this. I thought so too. I thought they were successful in predicting this crowd's reaction to Logan Paul. They got Sammy out of there, gave yep. him a highlight reel viral moment. So it definitely made his inclusion worthwhile on this show. Riddle met the great Kali and Runjan Singh backstage and checked out his Hall of Fame ring. I swear Great Kali had no idea what was going on during this segment. Riddle is just pitching him like this idea to open a store. Rob Van Dam walks in. And he gives Riddle rolling papers. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it's a cute pairing. I think a very natural pairing of two of the, uh, very similar characters. Uh, they did have, you know, they had a more organic one on the bump with uh, Riddle appearing and then seeing RB, RBD in the background. Uh, this wasn't so organic for you? Well, not very, no. Uh, so I recommend people checking that one out. But this was... Um, I suppose, um, yeah, just more ways to integrate the legends, isn't it? Uh, that took us to the United States Championship match. Riddle and Sheamus, who I, I thought had a pretty great match here. Sheamus was in control for a lot of it. And then Riddle scaled to the top and hit this huge overhead belly-to-belly as Riddle... It was like pretty much like almost like a Spanish fly, where he just rotated over, holding on to Sheamus, and came crashing down... Uh, upon landing riddle hit a jackhammer for a two count then did uh, a flip from the apron into the ring uh kind of like a setup for the buckshot lariat but gets drilled with a flying knee that gets a near fall uh they continue on here it's very hard hitting sheamus defends a rear naked choke and then they fight on the turnbuckle and sheamus is setting up for a white noise off the turnbuckle but loses his footing and just holds on to riddle um I was actually glad that he just gave up on this because there would be some that would just panic on a stage like this and potentially put the guy that he's holding in danger. But Seamus just gave up on it, did a, like a bombs away knee drop. That was your two count. And then as he set up for the brogue kick, Riddle sidesteps and he goes for a cabrada. And while he's upside down, gets nailed with a brogue kick and Seamus pins him. I thought it was a great finish. Um, Slip with the white noise aside, uh, they went 1051. I, I like this a lot. I thought they, they had some really creative stuff in here, um, especially the finish. The white noise save to me was a great sampling of improv from a veteran like Seamus, making the most of the botch rather than just, you know, going for a pinfall. He went up there, delivered the knee, and, you know, made it realistic. Um, I thought the finish was spectacular. It, it was a broke kick anti-air out of nowhere. And I really enjoyed the match. You know, it's it's a pairing we've seen a lot of times before, but this time felt very different seeing it on such a big stage in front of a live crowd. Uh, they continued to bring their very hard-hitting chemistry front, that you saw on TV to this live audience. I thought most of the match was, you know, there to allow Riddle to get to showcase his very spectacular offense, and he did very well. But to me, the understated star is Sheamus, who... Provided a great canvas. He has been 
a very great performer ever since he came to Raw this year. And, you know, in the last six months, he has been a very underrated, like he has had a very mm-hmm. good run these six months. And um, it, it was kind of nice to see him like get something here because this guy has worked his ass off. And I would imagine he has been a victim of plans going multiple different ways. And he's kind of been the odd one out several times. So th- he got a great match here, um, wins a championship and, is someone that can have some great matches with a, a lot of different guys on Raw. So I, I thought this this turned out really well. I thought these two matches back-to-back were pretty pretty spectacular, like 10-minute 10, 10 matches that we got. When I saw that finish, I gasped. I thought it was awesome, and there was a riddle displayed a full bloody mouth afterwards. And if you're going to potato an opponent... I think Riddle probably was able to excuse it if it's in the finish of a match at WrestleMania. I could not have imagined that spot going any better than any of their rehearsals. So, you know, what do you think happens with Riddle after this? He realizes he's been fucking around and it's time to get serious. I don't think so. I think they'll keep pushing him as his character. Although, you know, it's, it's not like this is a... Uh, them, you know, punishing him. I, I, in fact, no, I, think I mean, he, dude, could he be was presented like Lashley. A, he got like the superstar entrance with like the pyro and the fireworks. I mean, they, they are they are very high on Riddle. Uh, I, I really just yeah. set that one up, didn't I? I think they could move him up against Lashley. You know, and it's silly considering the type of character he is, but they give him so much airtime. I really do think they see him as a star. Uh, then this video aired, and Paul Levesque appears with a briefcase that he hands off to Bad Bunny and says, it's time for you to go do what you do best. I swear way, I thought that this was going to be a promo and Bad Bunny was going to be entering money in the bank when he handed him this briefcase. I seriously, like, all within 30 seconds, I was like, oh my God, are they putting him in money in the bank? And that instantly took me to, oh my God, they're going to brand it as Bunny in the Bank. Sort of disappoint you. Literally, all this, this is how my head is is just spinning way. But in fact, it was a a send-off present, a customized microphone as Bad Bunny got onto his big Mack truck and took off out of town as they plugged his tour dates for 2022, where the biggest stop is going to be on Waiting's birthday. Next year, here in Toronto, Scotiabank Arena, and it just so happens to be on a Monday night. I think I'm busy then. Oh, unfortunately. You're going to miss Bad Bunny. Yeah, yeah, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you know, just this just seems like a way of WWE returning the favor for Bad Bunny, you know, promoting his if, shit. If, if there was ever someone that deserved, like, full promotional muscle, um, it was... Bad Bunny for what he, dude, it was clear how over this guy was to that locker room. I don't know if you heard Randy Orton today, like just go out of his way to just praise the work that Bad Bunny uh, did. He Like Orton was talking about the fact that he would see him at like TVs, like several hours a day. Like he put everything on hold to prepare for this. It just seems like he not only got over very effectively in the match last night, but to this locker room, they they took notice of how much work he put into this. Totally. Absolutely. It was an expensive looking ad too. No, yeah. yeah this was like, this was like extremely well uh, shot and produced. Like this was, this was not some just throwaway commercial ad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so there, that appears to be the, uh, the end of Bad Bunny. 
Wale performed Feel the Power for Big E. Um, tremendous entrance. Like, he just felt like a megastar coming out um, to, to this live performance, um, which is... I like when they do these entrances at WrestleMania, and I thought this one was great. Yeah. I mean, it was a likely lip-sync performance, but I think probably turned out better than the non-lip-sync performance. It was better than Hey Hey Hop Hop, and yeah, we will get to the other uh, quote-unquote musical performance. Um, (laughs) So the Nigerian drum fight, Big E and Apollo Crews, uh, which was a hardcore match, they just went to town on one another with kendo stick shots. Yeah, well, we are all wondering what a Nigerian drum, drum fight was, and it basically means it's a mess. Guys, and- get me every kind of drum. How about a gong? Yeah, get us a gong. Get anything. Like, drums scattered ringside, and they were painted green to make them Nigerian, is <laughs> oh what God. it means. <laughs> like, this is an all-time, like, silly stipulation idea that these two just had to work around. I mean, at the end of the day, th- this was not done for any kind of laughs or... Silliness. It was like we're just going to go out there and have a really violent hardcore match to get the the feud over. Uh, Biggie busted out the spear off the apron. This is when I gasped. Uh, Cruz hit a DVD onto the edge, and then we set up the steps as the callback to the injury angle. And Apollo went to drop them, but Biggie got out of the way and hit a urinagi off the apron to Cruz onto the steps that had been placed on the floor. And Cruz comes back. He gets into con- uh, control. Misses a splash off the top, going through a table, and Big E hits the big ending. He's got the match one, when in comes the former Daba Kato, with a thumb to the throat and choke slam, allowing Apollo Crews to pin Big E. Uh, this had been noted earlier in the day, uh, Mike Johnson had reported that it looks like Daba Kato is undergoing a character change, and should be going by the name Commander Aziz. And this appears to be the introduction of that character. They only went six minutes and 50 seconds. So they were racing against the clock. Uh, but I would say they, they made the most of their time. And I guess it comes down to um, if the finish was uh, to your liking or not. But Apollo Crews wins kind of the only way you could continue this. And um, I guess we will see, do we continue this feud again? Or is this getting a secondary title off of Big E and his elevation begins? Hard for me to think that they'll do what would it be like a sixth match between these these two. Um, I don't know. I think you have to do something is. based off of uh, you know at least with Dabakato here, but because um, I don't yeah. think you can just have Biggie brush this off and not have some kind of maybe he doesn't go for the title again, but at least something with Dabakato. But I would also not want to beat Dabakato immediately either. I thought the ending was pretty trashy, but. I mean, it was, you know, I I didn't think the beatdown on Big E was that great. Something with a weapon to me was perhaps going to be more a bit more emphatic than, you know, the the using the Samoan spike, but you definitely can't argue that it's a big stage to debut a new guy. I'm happy to see Apollo's push continue, you know, and putting this muscle behind him will make him seem like a bigger threat. The match itself I I enjoyed. Much like the previous two matches, yeah. it seemed like these two were not holding back from pain at all they hit each other very hard and, and deliver some very spectacular spots it, it just ultimately became a fun no dq match for about six minutes yeah this was the case of like these three matches in a row like under normal circumstances i could see myself looking at these and saying we could have shaved a little time off the women's tag and added it to any of these but in all three of these cases i thought they 
they maximized the time that they had. And I didn't feel like even at 650 here, like I thought they made the most of what they had. And I left with a pretty positive reaction to these three matches. For some of them, I think they could have gone longer like this one. Um, but, you know, considering the finish that the, that they had here, maybe shorter was better for this. Uh, the 2021 Hall of Fame inductees were introduced with the exception of Ozzy Osbourne and then Kane set off his pyro. And that takes us to Asuka Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship with the performance by Ash Costello of New Year's Day, who screamed out the lyrics of brutality. I mean, that's how the song goes. Unfortunately for her, I... I, the the live mix was just awful. And I don't know like how they even captured it, if it was off of the camera microphone or if it was like something else, but it sounded pretty bad. Uh, visually, though, I thought it looked great. And if you're watching this... This was like the, the spectacle off, of the entrance. Like She felt like a big star mm-hmm. coming out to this. It was just not a, not a great live performance. Yeah. You know, you're, you're watching Rhea Ripley here and like... Sometimes, like you know, the 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 great the, for many people, like their walkouts seem really special. You know, even Randy Orton taking mm-hmm. the time to like really just like you know t- take in the the feeling of it, uh, and certainly that was the case for Edge as well later on. But you know, Rhea Ripley, I thought for somebody who we saw was incredibly tearful yesterday and uh, in interviews, even last year, being incredibly tearful walking around Raymond James Stadium before you know the that that show was taken away. Uh, she was very composed, I thought, you know, but in, inside her head, I bet you she was probably freaking out. I thought she just felt like a just a star coming out here. I thought I thought, you know, the entrances for several like they they had that that superstar, you know, aura attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had a very good match here. I thought Asuka was tremendous in this. Um, she landed a missile drop kick after selling for a significant portion of the the early going. Uh, Asuka hit this DDT off the edge of the apron, dropping both on the floor. Uh, Ripley recovered. She used the inverted cloverleaf, and that was countered with an arm bar that Ripley broke out of. And then as Asuka went for the Asuka lock, Ripley flipped over and got out of that, and Asuka lit her up with kicks. And then just out of nowhere, Ripley catches her with the riptide for the pin in 1327. And, like, it seemed, like, on... Both nights, like they were not going with like the pattern of, you know, it's WrestleMania. We're going to do this is the night to do our big near falls and kicking out of finishes. It was like there was not this was similar to like Bianca Belair, where it was just a solid win with your finisher. And that's what they did here with Ripley. I mean, a pretty definitive win over Asuka. There was no gray area. It was just a definitive win. And she wins the championship, which I think was the right finish to do. Uh, for this women's division, and you can keep Oscar in this mix. There's the obvious rematch with Charlotte Flair, who, after two nights, she was nowhere on WrestleMania either. But um, what did you think of the match? I thought the match was all right. Um, I, you know, for me, I definitely noticed the crowd not being that invested until the moment of the title change. I think the wrestling was strong, but it was not spectacular enough for an audience who had already seen so much by this point. Mm-hmm. You know, this was like a good straight up wrestling match. But by this point, I think they needed to take a few more risks, either, you know, physically or creatively. Um, I also think the rush job of getting Ripley onto the main roster and into this match took away some attachment from the crowd. She was supposed to be positioned as the heel going into this feud, but I never got that sense in the match itself. Um, and I don't know if the audience, you know, really felt 
much for her one way or the other. So I think this would have probably benefited from being the opener, I have to say. Yeah, like I looked at the layout of this. Like I'm kind of glad they got rid of Orton and Fiend right off the bat and this wasn't something that like sucked the energy out. That match would have just, it would have sucked anywhere. But man, like late in the show, God, I, I think that would have been... Yeah, I mean, it's like pick your poison of where you're going to place it. Um, So she leaves with the championship. And then this was a perplexing segment. I don't understand why it was done. Titus O'Neil and Hulk Hogan come out for another segment. And they're cut off by Bailey, who comes out. She wants to be thanked. This is after Titus and o- Hogan thank all the people for watching. She demands pyro. So that goes off. And... You can sense, like, you can hear the chance. everyone is thinking Becky Lynch is coming out. So, Bailey is going on about how she carried the hosting duties. She's running down the legends, running down Titus and Hogan. The music hits, and the Bella Twins come out. Bailey calls them twin idiots and tells Nikki, John Cena isn't here. So, Nikki slaps Bailey... And the Bellas, two-on-one, beat down Bailey. I would think in a different setting, the Bellas would have gotten booed here for the Bailey character that I think the audience would have been more so behind. And after Bailey is beaten down, the Bellas pose with Titus and Hogan. And the big culmination of this segment is Titus saying, Ding dong, goodbye. And that's how it ends. Why would you do this? If you are not bringing Becky back tonight, why even tease people like this when you're, when you know you're going to disappoint them? I have no idea. It was already awkward with Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil again, appearing so much piped audio in there. Um, And man, Bailey coming in here, I thought this almost baby-faced Bailey by the end of it. I was like, like she's been this entertaining character. You've already got that underlying factor of the audience that has seen that she's been one of the standouts this year who didn't get a a spot at Mania. That the way this was done with Hogan's segment two, that she's she's just like the the throwaway punchline for. um, Yeah. I just thought this was a totally bad idea of a segment. I just, I don't even know why it was done. I mean, I really hope for their sake that this was just some sort of backup plan because somebody dropped out at the last minute. Uh, but if that was the case, I probably wouldn't Cut have done, done this at all. Yeah. You but saw I the Bellas think... last night. Like, you put them in front of the audience. I don't know why you needed to have them out here. But I, I, I think, like, putting, you know, and I'm speak, I am speak of the, here as a Bellas fan. They are nowhere near as beloved by any wrestling fan as Bailey or any of the other four horsewomen are. Um, they are, I would say, very natural, unlikable heels. And especially on a two-on-one against Bailey, even though Bailey is a heel, this was just, I think, a very poor read of their audience's tastes and resulted in a very poor uh, segment. But, you know, they did get very physical here. So do you think the Bellas could be returning? I mean, that's that's what they've, you know, flat out, you know, said that they are going to do. And I guess, like, that would be... You know, the fact that they had um, 
Nikki doing contact. I guess that's like the most notable thing in this segment, but I, I don't think this segment itself is leading to anything beyond. I mean, we'll, we'll see if they end up ultimately coming back, but they've, they've said as much that that's, that's their plan. And I guess it, it'll come down to like, like Nikki's neck was a mess. Um, I think they kind of like, like when you heard her describe the state of her neck on her podcast, as compared to how it was, explained on the on the reality show i mean it seemed like they they wanted to give like a much more sanitized version on total bellas than you know like her neck was in like really bad shape but we have also seen many people come back from what would seem to be injuries that you should not be coming back from Hmm. I'll, i'll say one other thing on the becky front like i don't know when the plan is to return yeah, but even even if it is not like this week that she comes back, let's say she's not coming back for another month. I still would have had her first appearance back be this show in front of people as opposed to the Thunderdome. Like you could you could introduce her here even if she's really not coming back on the road or anything for, you know, another pay-per-view cycle or whenever it is she's coming back. Uh, I just think that you don't know when you're going to be in front of fans again. And that would have been a big pop that. Even if she's not ready to come back, this would have been the time to do it. Well, I mean, it does make you wonder whose decision it was to not have Becky. I mean, it almost felt like this segment was only laid out for somebody like a Becky Lynch. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, c- could it be that Becky didn't want to appear? Um, or did they decide against it for whatever reason? Who knows? And then they promoted the next pay-per-view. For May 16th, uh, that is not Money in the Bank, but they are promoting as WrestleMania Backlash. Uh, I guess to sell a few more, um, I don't know, pay-per-view buys with the the branding of WrestleMania there. Sure, why not? I mean, Next it's a month, bunch of it's rematches. WrestleMania Backlash. <laughs> yeah. The, the, we'll get We're the going. dot, dot, dot in the branding. <laughs> yeah, it's like telling your kids, we got tickets to WrestleMania. Revenge right. Tour. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The main event, Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. Um, they didn't do any like over-the-top entrances for any of them, but they were all, to me, cool entrances. Edge is being the most spectacular. I mean, you still got like the huge pyro display, but it wasn't like they went like no like live performances or brand new. Yeah, it was just um, you know, like these are our three top guys coming out. Um Edge it- just got a thunderous reaction. It, he got the biggest reaction, even more so yeah. than Brian, and that's not yep. something I expected considering the story heading into this. Um, I, and to me, like of all the entrances, Edge's felt most special. Not just maybe in terms of um, I don't know, Pyro, but it was the fact that this His first was... time in front of a crowd since the Rumble return. Exactly, and, the first and match knowing, in front, and knowing how long of a journey he had to get to this point, you could see the emotion on his face. You could tell how special it was, and it looked to be more special than it either was for Roman or Brian, who I'm sure for them it was just as special. Uh, just as special, but with edges, you could just kind of sense it a lot more. Um, but you know, certainly the the crowd saw him as the most sympathetic one in the entire thing. Brian was just having the time of his life. He's like joking around with Charles Robinson before the match begins. And Roman Reigns comes out with Heyman and Jay Uso, who is now known as the right-hand man, uh, which Michael Cole uh, reminded you of about every five minutes in this match. And with Reigns, I was surprised. It was like pretty, like this crowd knew to boo him and they really didn't deviate from that. Like this was not 
the crowd suddenly cheering this guy at the first opportunity they had. If there was a less likable baby face than either of these two in there, I think that would have been very possible. Like if it was Roman against the Fiend, it's going to be Roman Reigns that they're going to be cheering. If it was Roman against any, you know, any any lesser baby face. But because Brian is really untouchable at this point and because it's Edge who Man, um, first match, like first wrestling match in front of a crowd in such a long time. Um, they wanted him. They really wanted one guy to win. And that was Edge. Yeah. I mean, by the time this match started, like that's where I was kind of leaning. Like, man, can they not have Edge win with all of this going on? Like to me, he felt like the bigger baby face when this started than Daniel Bryan, even though he didn't play it during the match. Um, so I, I thought this was a pretty captivating match and the dynamic of like any of these three could win, I think added a lot to this. You had Jay Uso get involved significantly at the beginning, super kicking both Edge and Brian uh, before he was finally taken out with an impaler DDT by Edge onto the steel steps and the medical team removed him. Uh, but that would not be all that we would see of Jay Uso. You had Edge and Brian square off while Reigns was selling on the floor and Brian hit this, went for a suicide dive. Reigns caught him and threw him with a belly to belly. And that led to Edge and Reigns in the ring where Edge hit an impaler DDT. He sets up for the spear, but it stopped with a Superman punch. And they also did this uh, clever spot where they each went for a spear crashing into one another and uh, going down to the mat from that. Brian returns, drills each with yes kicks and hits Edge with the Busaiku knee. Reigns is stomping down Reigns, applies the yes lock, and that's broken up by Edge. They go to the floor. Brian's put through the announce, the announcer's desk with a powerbomb. And then Reigns is on the steps after this powerbomb and gets speared off the steps by Edge. Edge gets Reigns into the ring, applies a crossface, and with a broken piece of a chair, is pulling on, putting it in Reigns' mouth and pulling back. Reigns is about to submit... When Brian dives in and he grabs the hand, verbal submissions be damned. Reigns cannot submit. And Brian simultaneously applies the yes lock while the crossface is also applied. And then Edge and Brian traded headbutts, breaking their submission holds. And they started fighting with Brian eventually hitting him, with, or sorry, setting him up for the Busaiku knee, but it's met with a spear. At this point, Edge ducks uh, uh, Reigns with the spear, and the idea here is that he had the match won. Uh, this is when he spears Reigns, but Brian yanks the referee to the floor. So Brian has now cost Edge the match twice with the crossface spot, and now after spearing Reigns. So had it been a singles match, Edge has the justification he would have won. And Edge unloads with these chair shots, and it ends with a concerto onto Brian. Jay Uso returns, he attacks Edge, eats a spear, all these chair shots, Jay Uso is out, but Reigns recovers, spears Edge, and then places Edge's lifeless body on top of Daniel Bryan, and he pins both men in 21 he, he speared minutes. Him, he speared him and then hit the concerto to Edge. That's right, he gave him the concerto as well, so both had taken concertos, and Reigns pinned both simultaneously at 21 minutes and 41 seconds. Not the outcome I was expecting, and definitely not in such a definitive fashion uh, as this was. And I, I think what you can take from this is that 
Roman Reigns is like in their Bruno role. Like he is going to have the extended long run and we are not going to do, we are not going to upset this title reign for like a quick two month babyface reign. And it was a dominant victory by Roman um, to end this. You know, first of all, I, I thought it was an awesome, awesome match. It was a very, very high strong. quality, very high quality three way between these two, uh, these three. And when a match is this good, when all three characters have such a strong case of winning, I don't think there was a bad call here. Uh, I agree. I was not expecting something to be so emphatic, you know, because so much of the conversation coming out of this was that, okay, who is going to take the pin so that they can book the rematch in a one on one situation next month? I did not expect one dude to pin both of them. So I think I really feel like at this point you can rule out Daniel Bryan getting any other challenge because he lost to Reigns in second, lost again here. um, And even Edge, can you still do Edge and Roman? I suppose maybe there's still some life there. I think it's at most it's like Edge and Bryan having maybe like that's what spins out of the bronze match. I I thought – Regardless of who wins, you come out of this with a singles match. And I, at least not for the title, is uh, like, I guess you can do whatever you want if there is enough of an explanation. But I don't know. Like, I I thought it made a lot of, it gave a lot of fuel for the Edge character that he could lose this match without taking the pinfall that justifies why he didn't want this to be a triple threat. But they went a different direction. So that part was very surprising and I, I don't know it just we'll see what happens on smackdown but this to me did not come out of it with the natural rematch program which makes it interesting because these would be your two logical opponents for reigns following wrestlemania well you do have the jay uso element i suppose so you can um you know maybe hang hang on that as some sort of a explanation for for i don't know maybe a non Jey Uso interfering stipulation for the next rematch or something. But to me, the story of this match was Edge coming out of it, feeling like the biggest baby face on the, on the show, maybe even within the company, you know, and that was a surprise considering the build. He out baby faced Brian here, which tells you that they have something very special with him that I hope they capitalize on. And it doesn't even have to be a character transition back to being a baby face. I think this sort of like role that he's hit on this sort of tweener role really allows him to like play the same character, but you know, change course depending on his opponent. So he comes out of this, I think with a great deal of momentum to be cemented as a top level guy, great match, very physical, very creative spots as well. Uh, so very good way to end the show. What'd you think of it overall? Of the whole show? I, I really enjoyed night two. Um, I, I, I still, I, I, I think certainly that, like I feel 20 years from now we are going to think of like that's the the historical significance we're going to f- attach to Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. I just think people are going to look back at that match and that is going to be one of these, you know, historically preserved matches that the company is going to replay uh, forever and make it one of like the enduring WrestleMania memories. So I think that is what's going to stand out um I think most people enjoyed night one more than night two, but I will say, like, I was I was pretty happy with tonight's show, save for the Fiend-Randy Orton match. Like, I thought that the, pretty much from that point onwards, like, I can't say I was disappointed with any of the matches. I mean, you could argue that maybe you would have wanted to see some uh, lengthier matches in the middle, but, like, I thought Zayn Owens was 
a really entertaining match. I thought Sheamus and Riddle was really fantastic. And I mean, it just, it continued from there. Like a solid main event. Like I, I thought both nights, there's a lot of, a lot of positive to both nights. I felt night two was very consistent, maybe more consistent than night one on a high level. Yeah, it Um, didn't have anywhere near the emotional high. Like nothing to me touched Sasha and Bianca. And like you hit the nail on the head last night that it's about the, like the historical significance and leaving you with like that, that feeling of something special, which makes a, that really lends itself to what a WrestleMania match gets remembered for. And that one is to me, it was head and shoulders above anything else on either night. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the setting, but the fact that they were put into this incredibly high pressure situation in the main event and delivered a spectacular match coming out of it. That is just like that much more rare. Uh, but, you know, I thought night two was more consistent, but it did not l- deliver sort of the, you know, the, the maybe the emotional high of night one, nor the sports entertainment high of seeing that bad buddy match. When you kind of like take the best parts of both nights and put them into one show, I think it's a pretty strong show. Uh, conversely, though, you cannot ignore some of the worst parts of tonight, which were pretty damn bad in the form of Randy Orton and The Fiend and um, and all the Hogan you know, stuff with like Hogan stuff. Yeah, like it was, um, you know, it just. Hogan stuff, like, just taking, like, your opinion of Hulk Hogan aside, like, I thought the skits were pretty awful, too. Like, when you combine, like, his three segments were that, the awful pirate getup, the Bischoff segment that was total throwaway for no purpose, and then the stuff with the Bellas. Like, I thought it was, like, not even, like, well-done segments for your, your hosts, like, to come up with, like, three interesting segments for the entire night. What do you give this show out of 10? Tonight's show, I go, um, I'm going to go eight, eight out of 10. I'm going to go seven, slightly less than yesterday. Forum gives us 5.83. Wow, man, not as high on uh, tonight's show. Um, well, with that said, we're going to open up the phone lines and we will get your direct feedback uh, as well as going to the forum tonight. Let's start off here with Tyler Crane. Tyler, if you're there, please unmute yourself. What's going on? Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, we can. Oh, hey, hey. hey, yeah. Tyler. Um. Uh. Yeah. I thought. I think that this pretty much to me having WrestleMania over two nights, I think is just a great way to go because this these last two nights have just been so much more manageable than that seven hour show that I was at for thirty five. It was it was awful. But yeah, this I, is, I don't think there's one. Ar- there's not one person I have seen that has argued for the other the other side of it. Um. It's it is worth noting the fact that for that WrestleMania promo, like they they had previously announced a date. It's April 3rd, uh, but in the promo, they're just listing April 2022 as well. Yeah, so like I'm I'm hoping that next year is also two nights because um hopefully I'll be going to it. Um so I can only hope that it's that way. Um but overall I thought both nights were uh, pretty awesome. Um, both main events were amazing, but I think uh, Sasha and Bianca was, I would say, the match of the weekend uh, as far as Mania goes. Um, I did see. I think Way brought this up um, uh, in the like in the pre-show before we everybody got on. But unfortunately, like even if this is a troll, I don't find it funny. There was a person that was at Mania that had posted on Twitter, "Oh, just got a positive COVID test, but I'm still here." So. And and I'm like and I'm like that's even if you're tr- that's not funny 
Like to me, that's just irresponsible and just very stupid in my no, opinion. I, I, I think that, like that's an awful, awful person. Um, that I mean, it, for those that are not aware, there was this tweet was circulating, and the person uh, eventually said it was all a hoax, which is just you're like, like seriously, like I would think like that would be uh, a chargeable offense. To be quite honest with you, like that's that's how serious I think you would take like a hoax like that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, and I mean, like, granted, if you're going there, the odds of at least a couple people, st- but still, that's just not, I just think it's just in awful taste and just extremely just reprehensible. Um, but other than that, um, I, you know, I think, you know, the Tonight Show was really good. Um, uh, yeah, I just can't uh, wait to see where this goes. But like you said, The Fiend and Randy Orton match was, was terrible. It was awful. It was a waste of time. Um, it felt like it should have been a segment on a Raw, not even on this show at all. And, uh, yeah, the main event was great. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all my main thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Let's go up next to, uh, I believe, oh, sorry, I'm just having an issue here. Let's go to Darren. Darren, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Darren. Would you look at Mania? Um... I don't know. It it obviously was better because there wasn't any uh, weather issues tonight. All the weather seemed to have stopped around seven and nothing ever started up again, but it seemed like all, you know, that first match really took the air out of the live crowd. Like everybody, just, I mean, I knew that match was going to be trash in the first place, but it, everybody was just booing that terribly. And it, it was a bad way to start the night. Unlike yesterday. And then to follow it up with that women's tag was which was better than yesterday's, but that's not really saying much. It, it was just hard to come back from that. And then it seemed like a lot of the other matches ended up getting the, the rug pulled off from under them. Like, you know, the Oscar match seemed to end when it, when it, right when it was ramping up type of a thing. And then even the riddle match. And I don't know what was going on with that, the non drum drum match or whatever was going on there. But it, you know, all these matches had potential. They were, you know, the crowd was into them and then they, kind of got the rug pulled off from under them so where, where are you calling from good. i'm right outside the stadium here i don't i don't know if my camera okay on so you went now. so you went to the show right yeah um, i went to the show both nights so i was here last night too okay um, right of course a- a- any uh maybe unique or particular crowd reactions that maybe you know the the home audience might not have picked up on um everybody was edge was way above and beyond the biggest yeah. pop the whole night i mean People like Daniel Bryan, but it wasn't, you know, they were into the yes chanting more than they, more than when he came out. But Edge, they just blew up everything he did. Um, they did do, do Reigns pretty good. I mean, they weren't, you know, they, no one was really cheering him. When he won, there was a few you know, cheering. But um, unlike last night where there was some, you know, Bobby Lashley cheers and, and other things. I, I'd say how, how last about, night. The how about Bad Logan Bunny Paul? The biggest. Logan Paul was really, everybody wanted him to get beat up. Like he was, he was booed. And they were they cheered real real big when he got um, stunned by by Owen. So I guess that's what they were going for. And and what was the Hogan reaction like in your area? Oh, he Tonight, got booed again. I mean, yeah, died. it was pretty. I mean, you know, I was sitting in a row that had like three people in it. Like I was, you know, I had a single seat, mm-hmm. so we were separated around. I know the the floor seats it seemed to either be. I don't know if they, if if, they, if by intention they they had people spread out and then they all just moved up as close as they could but where we were i mean they zip tied all the seats that you couldn't sit in so i was in a whole row with three seats i think and there's only two of us that i don't know what the middle seat was both nights um 
and then people were diagonally from me, uh, like behind and, and in front of me. So there, it wasn't, I wasn't near anybody. So that, you know, they tried to do their, their best. They actually did two temperature checks today. I don't know yesterday if it was because of the rain. They, they kind of skipped that. Um, and they make you fill out this questionnaire on your phone. Everything's cashless. Oh, that's good. You know, but, you know, you can just say whatever you want on the phone and show them a green check mark. I mean, so that's, you know, the honor system, basically. But, but you know, they're trying. But I'm sure they did the same stuff they did the Super Bowl. Um, they did have, like, the cardboard cutout seats, but not in my area because I was – sitting on the same side as the hard cam so they didn't really care about that and, and what about the the bella's bailey segment bella's got a good pop i mean the, the bailey stuff i think people were just confused about what was going on and why was why was this happening i think some people thought becky was going to come out I, I even kind of thought that that would be a good if they wanted really wanted to pop the crowd it was just kind of misplaced i guess i, I don't yeah i think it was just setting up that expectation like that's what it seemed like watching it like there was like a like chance for for becky was, yeah and i don't know i mean i don't like, feel like the bellas are going to come back and, and if they do i don't know if nikki can even come back but I, I don't think it's imminent so i don't really know why i mean i guess because they were here but that's not they could have easily done a backstage segment like rbd and kind of had the little moment or whatever but yeah i don't know what that it was kind of like well that's not what i was expecting type of it's, Think the crowd. Well, thank you very much for the uh, live report again, Darren. Much appreciated. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for everything you do, guys. I appreciate Thanks, it. Darren. Uh, glad, glad following you guys. All right. Thank you. Uh, let's go up next to Steven. Steven, are you there? What do you think of WrestleMania? Oh, hi, Steven. Might have lost Steven there. So please uh, dial us back, Steven. Let's go up next to Jackie. Jackie, all right, if you're there, uh, please unmute yourself. Yes. How you doing? Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, what's up? Yeah, so like kind of echoing your sentiments way, like after these two nights, I find myself feeling sort of middle of the road because I am someone who enjoys sports and enter- the kind of sportsy entertainment parts of it as well as the in-ring work. And I feel like, you know, last night we definitely had the more kind of circus act parts with Omos and um, the Bad Bunny matches and uh the cage match and then the emotional highs i think of not only bianca winning but the cesaro uh win as well and then and then tonight we had maybe what you would call like more technically better matches but physical matches too. yeah yeah um and you know i pulled out i did my john pollock dave Meltzer. i put a stopwatch on because i was like after last night, I was like, you know, these matches are feeling kind of short. So I wanted to see actually and was really surprised with everything clocking in around that 10 minute mark. And just it kind of made me re- reassess what we decide is a good match. You know, like, does a good match have to be, you know, a Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole 40 minute thing? Or, you know, like, does, does, you know, what like Riddle and Seamus did, does that have as much merit? You know what I mean? So it's sort of basically with all that in mind, me being someone who like wants sports entertainment and high in in ring work, I think I'm ultimately neutral on these two shows. I also am someone who is always with like an open air stadium, always am like, feel like it's harder to gauge crowd reaction with the acoustics being different, which I think affects my feeling. But yeah, just uh, lastly, my question mainly is, uh, 
I, I thought Reigns was going to win, but I thought he was going to win by pinning Brian to protect Edge or, uh, you know. And so with Reigns being so dominant, you know, I think that's like a good idea. But there's part of me that thinks we're going to be locked into a period of if Reigns ever does lose the title, it's going to be, you know, some bullshit, you know, you know, just like to, to, to convince because everyone has to be protected quote unquote right in their mind so ultimately my question is with coming out of mania i think you know your big candidates are cesaro and biggie and is there any chance in the next year we see those guys or are they going to bring in someone else to take the title off of roman so that's my question and last you know it was a year ago uh, that I, I came back home uh, to shelter down for the pandemic and you guys have really gotten me through some tough times this year. So just want to say thank you for that and all the coverage and have a good night. Oh, thanks very much, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. I think what you have now, it's like you have two very dominant champions on both brands and the struggle will be building up challengers for them when they have definitively beaten your existing like top guys like tonight for for all we want to say about protecting people i mean they gave you a pretty definitive wins uh for both guys against you know baby faces uh on on both nights as well so yes cesaro Big E, you would hope that they are in that mix but the the challenge will be building them up to to be challengers for a roman reigns uh that that people will take seriously that 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 they can like that's the thing of booking a dominant champion is that it it's a lot of work to build up a challenger that you're going to take seriously as a credible threat. Well, with a number of rematches that are likely to come on backlash, I mean, I could see them saving one of those title changes for that show. Can you see either Lashley or Roman dropping it at the next pay-per-view? Not Roman. Um, I think, I think they're going long-term with Roman Reigns because I would argue if you were going to have him drop it for just say from now to SummerSlam, this would have been the show to do it, not in five weeks time at the Thunderdome. So I don't see them taking it off Reigns anytime soon. I think they're going to go. I think it's a marathon with this run with Lashley. I think you can be a bit more judicious with how you uh, preserve him as champion. Um, I guess we'll see. Like, I, I could certainly see Lashley and Drew going back to things immediately uh, off of that. Because I I think it's a much tougher task to look at Raw of, like, who, like, Lashley and Riddle, that's good luck. You have really got to your work cut out for you. And, I mean, they had Lashley run through Riddle week after week after week. There is a lot of work that would need to be done there. And you just have a lot less options on Raw than you do SmackDown where, you have Owens coming out of the strong. You have Cesaro coming out strong. You still have Brian and Edge who are not going to be just cast aside either. Um, there, there's a lot more options for me on SmackDown than there are Raw that you can tinker with. Let's try Steven again, who I believe is also in Tampa. Steven, if you're there, if you could unmute yourself. What's going on? Yeah. Can you hear me all right? I'm currently driving. Yes, we can. Please be careful. But yes, yeah. we can hear you. Yeah, I got you on uh, speakerphone. Yeah, so I was at the show, John. I uh, I sent you the photo of the uh, arrow situation. Thank you, Steve. And, yeah, you're welcome. Um, I'll tell you, I posted this. He sent me a picture with the arrows pointing in either direction at Raymond James Stadium. I posted this thing, and dude, you should have seen some of the. 
if you don't like it, you should just leave. It's like, it was like uh, entertaining to say the least at what was a completely innocuous post. But uh, I was about to add, like, for Christ's sake, you could, you could still socially distant, but I didn't add that. I added no commentary to this, but anyway. Yeah, that's probably for the best. But uh, so I actually just decided to go to the show at like four o'clock today. Uh, I looked at the tickets. They're really cheap. So I figured why not? It was the first show I've been to since WrestleMania 24. Okay. And I, I, I How a, cheap? How cheap? Okay, so I sat lower 100 level directly across from the entrance ramp for 60 bucks. Okay, it's not bad. So, I mean, for me, I feel like that was a pretty decent price for WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, Definitely. And what was but, the process like getting into the stadium? What What did you have to go through? Well, when I got there, it was raining. Uh, I parked maybe a 20-minute walk away, walk up. I had to show them that I did the uh, little health questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, they took my temperature, and I walked right in. I didn't have to, like, go through a metal detector or anything, which was interesting. They just let me on in. So, yeah, that was it. And then I went to my seat. Um, they had uh, zip ties and some cardboard faces around me, but uh, no security. So people were just kind of ripping those apart and sitting wherever they wanted. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Was it a worthwhile uh, event to go to for you? Like, did you feel it was, it was worth going to? Yeah, I had a great time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's pretty surreal being around other people and being at an event like that. But uh, I I had a great time. Mm -hmm. I really did. That's a good thing. Like, I I think like both shows, like people, like I, it's part of it that like, I didn't even think about, like for some people that have not gone to any kind of, you know, large gatherings. I mean, it'd be, be kind of, kind of a weird adjustment to actually just process that right now. I I know for me, it'd be very weird. Do do you live in the area, Steven? Yeah, I live about an hour South of Tampa. And I, I don't know how accurately you'd be able to even gauge something like this, you know, with, with the way things are. But what what is the level of hype surrounding WrestleMania at this time? Um, there, there wasn't really much unless you're a wrestling fan. Um, a lot of tweets of, uh, you know, friends of mine up in Tampa, they're like, oh, I thought there was uh, lightning, but I guess it's fireworks. Oh, I guess WrestleMania is in town. Okay. You know, just... They were like, why is Ray J having fireworks? Or why is there a flyover? They were just very confused. So, mm. I mean, there, I, to be honest, though, I, I wasn't there last night. But from what I've heard, a lot of people went just because Bad Bunny was there. Yeah. Um, wow. So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for the live report, Stephen. Much appreciated. And uh, drive safe. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Let's go up next to Brian. Brian, if you're there, please unmute yourself. I'm unmuted. Yes. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. 12 large, you guys. Yes. And today was the uh, the 10-year uh, mark of, well, 10 years ago today that Larry Sweeney uh, passed away. So a lot of people were remembering mm-hmm. that today. Yeah, never forgotten. Ain't no doubt about that. Uh, but... Yeah, as from WrestleMania this year, uh, I, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I'm definitely in favor of the two-night format over one night lasting over six hours. And also my Peacock feed worked totally fine both nights. That was interesting. Like, I did not s- see complaints. It seemed like, you know, for such a high-volume event, like that seems to be, um, appears to have been a success this weekend in, in that regard. Yeah, I 
at, at worst, very light buffering for me. Yeah, which um, I mean, that's that's going to come with things. I don't think that's a deal breaker for most people. Yeah. Now, now, I know that for I guess for some iOS systems, you can have the ability to rewind. Like, what what's your setup, Brian? Can you you have to watch live? Uh, yeah, I uh, watch Peacock through my smart TV. Okay, and, and doesn't have the rewind features. Right. Um, and, I guess that's uh, in development for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a Roku box and uh, Fire Stick. That's not a Fire Stick yet. I assume it has the same with uh, prohibitions on the Roku box. Uh, but uh, yeah, as for the show tonight, uh, I enjoyed it overall more than last night. But if I was making a top five from the two mm-hmm. nights, I would have more from night one than night two. But that being said, um, I loved the main event tonight. I thought it was so well put together. And I'd like to point out uh, when Reigns was in the Yes Lock the first time, Paul Heyman in the background. He was oh, he was so, awesome. Yeah, so much fun to watch. He was like <laughs> he was in on the verge of tears uh, as the Yes Lock was on. Like he was really great um, in the background. Yeah, he was so upset and horrified at what was going to happen. And, and he's, uh, wear, he's wearing the lay on his suit, and it was just the yeah. most ridiculous look as well that he committed to. Um, yeah, an, an, an under-focused-upon uh, part of the main event was Paul Heyman tonight. Yeah, he, to, me so, to me, he's so remarkable because he knows he's always on camera. Even if the camera's not on him, even if he's a background character, he is always acting as if the spotlight is on him. Uh, or, or doing the exact action that you would expect him to do. So, uh, yeah. yeah, tremendous manager. He's a total pro in all regards. Um, and uh, both main events uh, this weekend being from the SmackDown roster and both delivering, that speaks a lot about the SmackDown roster, in my opinion. And I've been enjoying SmackDown more than Raw for most of 2020. Yeah, And uh, uh, conversely, nothing on night one was as bad as the night two opener. I just detested that. And I've been, wa- I've been watching raw most weeks or, or at least following, th- following a three year show. I did not understand that finish at all. No, I mean, even like, again, I think that there's like a significant portion that no matter what you did with this feud, it was going to turn people off. But I would say even to the people that were in to this program, that was a giant letdown. Like I, for the time committed for the angles that they put you through for all of that to lead to this as like your punctuation or your exclamation point for WrestleMania, it was, I mean, all you have coming out of this is a debate of what was, what was the worst WrestleMania match that these two had between the two options. Uh, And I think this one takes the cake. Uh, Thank you, Brian, for the call. Let's go up next to Nick. Nick, what's up? Hi guys. Happy hey, WrestleMania Nick. night too. Um, Happy night too. I I it was first of all, it's awesome to hear so many people who went to the show and like had a good time and were able to do that successfully and kind of give their feedback in that way. That's actually really cool to hear, just because I've you know I've not even like ventured outside the city for quite some time at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think the the Bray Wyatt and um, Randy Orton opener, I I just feel so horrible for Bray Wyatt because I think this guy has such tremendous creative vision and he's clearly not leading the dance anymore creatively and I think what's really evident in that way is that you don't even see Bray Wyatt the guy anymore like there's no Firefly Funhouse segments it's just the fiend character as like a B 
movie horror villain. So I think it's just kind of sad that I, in my opinion, they've kind of stripped him of, of what I think is what, what direction he wants to take this character creatively. And I think they're kind of going in a different sort of more horror based direction with it. And it's leading to bad results. But other than that, I loved the main event tonight. I think they're using the, the Bruno formula and also like the Floyd Mayweather formula for Roman Reigns. Yeah. It's like, do you want to like, is this guy winning bothering you? Good. Come back every month and try to see like who can beat this guy. And that is what like our hook is going to be like, who can take down Roman Reigns, our dominant champion. I think that's great booking. I think that's classic booking. It feels I'm not like a particularly old school person, but I think that feels something like that's very old school and grips me personally. Um, I think we all we're all hunting for that like great big moment, you know, of significance to end a big pay per view like WrestleMania. But thinking about the week to week TV, I, I've been really enjoying SmackDown with Roman Reigns as that as that principal character, you know, that dominant mafia boss sitting in the back with the belt around his arm. That I I don't know if you'd be able to achieve with either one of the other two won tonight. Yeah, I think especially with Edge and Brian, because you saw with Brian in twenty eighteen how long that face run really lasted for him. And it took him turning heel to really find his niche as a dominant champion again. So I don't know how, how much longer a Brian title run or an edge title run would have lasted compared to, you know, keeping Roman as strong as possible coming out of tonight. Uh, the thing I kind of want to close on was this felt like a really, and I think John has talked about this a lot. This felt like very much like a next generation show. When you think about Ripley getting a win, Apollo Crews getting a win, Belair getting a win, and even you can extend that to Amos. But my thinking is like, can this trend continue when you're trying to sell out AT&T Stadium next year and going to SoFi Stadium in 2023? I think it's like a really interesting question of how many part-timers we're going to get back for those next two events. Because I think for the most part, a lot of these you know next-generation talents delivered in really incredible fashion this year in a really high pressure position and i wonder how much of that faith in them is going to be paid off you know in future wrestlemanias so yeah that's my thinking yeah i mean this was a year where you did not have to necessarily go to that well and make sure that you could get um several of those people that either weren't available or it just uh price wise really didn't make sense for for this year but next year i mean you do need like when you're doing 80,000 people, like you need that, that giant hook that is more so than just your, what WrestleMania is going to draw. This was a unique year where I think the novelty of being in front of fans and being WrestleMania, you could put together a card that was largely your week to week performers. And you got very pleasing cards by and large uh, both nights. And I think that you, you just look at the, the trend this week that you look what they've done with Raquel Gonzalez, Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, like those as your three female faces of each brand uh, going forward. Like there's endless possibilities there. Um, but, you know, it is also going to be, you know, uh, very enticing for them to next year um, have to make certain concessions because you have to have certain attractions that are going to be more than just your performers that, yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting uh, balance and and how you build off of this show and people that you've put in those those positions. Let's go up next to Corey. Corey, please unmute yourself. What do you think of Mania? Uh, hey guys. Um, so, uh, 
in my mind, when, when I look down this card, I, I, I agree with both of you where I would say it, it was on par, if not a, a, a little maybe of less quality than uh, the previous night. But um, I see it as a failure of sequencing more than anything else. Um, you know, it was, it was said multiple times that Randy Orton Fiend match took the air out of the room and compounding it with a really lackluster women's tag match. Um, I had to do some mental reconfiguring to really get in the zone for that Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. And it just continued for the rest of the night. I felt like, you know, just fatigued by two just not great matches that really kind of, kind of set a tone for the rest of the night where I felt like every match was, it's strange. Everyone is talking about how all the matches felt were, were brief. You know, they, most of them were under 15 minutes, under 10 minutes around that. But um, for me, those first two matches, that Randy Orton fiend match, when you said that it was like under six minutes, my jaw dropped because it felt like it was 15 it well, was, I mean, the, the the entire thing was much longer mm-hmm. than that. That was just like the bell to bell. But you had the entrances, you had that long, lengthy video package. So, I mean, it was it was much more than just a six minute match as well. That I mean, I think took the sales out. I I would not put so much on the the ta- the women's tag match. I mean, it, it wasn't among the top matches on the card, but I hardly saw that as like this deflating match either. I I get that. I get that. I I do think though that they really should have taken um. Uh, something out of the playbook of the first night, I would have put the women's match kind of do the opposite of what they did the first night, put the women's title match up first, have that really hot matchup. Like it may have not had a great build, but it's two superstars, two, two wrestlers with a lot of hype around it. And I think that really could have gotten the crowd a little bit warmed up. I know you, you mentioned John that, um, you know, you would have to place the Randy Orton match somewhere, um, I would not have started the show with it. I think that it's just a deflating way to start it. Um, the women's match, I think would have been a perfect, like way to, um, warm up that crowd. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I mean, the other way is that, listen, this is something that is not going to get over. Do we put it where the crowd is going to be the most forgiving at the beginning of the show? But I mean, we, we saw it executed. It didn't work. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if placement really would have helped that at all. I think it was just a really poorly conceived, match, uh, payoff, whatever you want to attach it to. And I don't even know if in the best of circumstances that thing's getting over either, just the way that that feud had been structured. And like, had you added cinematic elements to it? Like, would that have kind of, would the crowd have really gotten into that, having to watch that on a screen uh, either? So, I mean, it's, it's very tough. It's one of the reasons I think that this is a very difficult character to, put into this show in a, in a meaningful way that is not going to alienate a significant amount of people. And this one, it seemed like it pretty much alienated everyone. Let's go up next to Jason. Jason, you're on the show. Hey, what's going on guys. Um, hey, honestly, I was kind of dreading going into night two, just cause I kind of felt the burnout from NXT night one going into night two. And I thought maybe I'd feel it a little bit more. And obviously as everyone's talked about, Fiend Randy Orton was not the way you wanted to start the show. But by the end of it, like I thought the main event was fantastic. I thought the triple threat maybe was my favorite match of the weekend, though uh, the women's match from night one as the main event was also fantastic. 
I just think like spacing it out seems so much better. And I know that the plan originally for next year was one night, but it seems like they've changed that marketing to just announcing April, 2022. So I'm wondering if they're going to do that, make that change. But all in all, like I thought this was a pretty solid WrestleMania. And, you know, if you combine this into one card, it would have been maybe a little long, but I think we would have come out uh, feeling a, a very positive event out of, uh, out of these nights, but man, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on Mania. I thought the card was well received, and I'm, I'm excited to see that Raw and SmackDown have two badass heels as their champions. Because Lord knows that company needed to develop some heel champions. <laughs> yeah, now it's now it's the babyface struggle of uh, we'll see how how well they build up the, those baby faces. But uh, yeah, I think it's notable about the uh, just the way they're promoting it for next month, and I mean the fact that. You know, Stephanie McMahon stated that, you know, anything is possible when, I mean, she agreed with the fact that these events are too long. And I think a lot will be dependent upon how well this did this weekend on Peacock. And if they see subscribers and engagement through the roof for these two nights, uh, that's a lot of ammunition to push that argument forward that, okay, maybe we're not going to fill AT&T Stadium two nights. Um, Maybe it's going to water down both nights in terms of people buying tickets, but our larger master to serve is this streaming deal and two nights does is does phenomenal for us. So why would we limit this to one night when we can do two nights of our Super Bowl? No announcement of attendance live at least, but do you, they, think they did put out, they put out their press release. Uh, they, I actually have the number here. It was just over 25,000 both nights, but that's the amount that they released. Um, will probably uh, like that could be for this year, that could be a legitimate number. Um, typically when they put out their announced number, that's not the the legit uh, figure, but we will know it at some point. Both nights similar at 25,000. Yeah. They, I think it was the identical number that they announced both uh, nights, but for Sundays, they announced 25,675. Okay. Interesting. Let's go up next to Hanzi. Hanzi, you're on. What's up? What's going on, man? Um, I, I, again, uh, the whole review, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, what night I like better. Cause I do like some of the matches. Like, I think I think my top three matches of this weekend are probably Cesaro, Rollins, Bian- Bianca, Sasha, and Roman Reigns, the triple threat match. I, I, I agree with the, uh, the previous callers saying that maybe technically some of the matches were a lot better on, like, the, even though like, some of them were, like, very, very intense and they were quicker, I didn't even realize how quick they were, they, they went, whatever. But I, 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 again, I enjoyed both nights. Um, but, I, yeah, again, um, I, again, I, we were talking about where, where they're going to go afterwards. And my personal opinion, I, I could see if Balor does get called up, I, I could see him being a good contender for Lashley. But I would I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they put like Balor against Roman Reigns. I don't know if they do that right away, but I can see Edge and Brian kind of carrying their feud on for a bit. I think because Edge has yeah. a per- perfect way to you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's certainly a lot you, like that. One clear direction coming out of that main event is an Edge Brian singles match. I think that would be a no brainer to go to. Um, that those two could spin off and. and have a great program together. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, but yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just curious if like, if there will be, I, I mean, I think we, we've all said in stone about like mania call up, but do you guys see any mania call ups or do you think like we just expect that because it's mania season or like, do you guys just think that like people are just going to stay where they are for the time being, but do you guys 
like see any anyone like coming to any of the shows from NXT or anything like that this week or or no. And I'll I'll, I'll leave after this comment. Thank you. Yeah, really. I mean, the ones I guess you could look at would be the, like Finn Balor or Io Shirai. And I, I, I could see that happening um, at the same time. Like this is when NXT is moving to another night that uh, do you want to take a significant star off of there right now? If you're not getting somebody back in return, they might feel that now is not the time to be plucking someone off that show when we're establishing the new night. Um, I will add the the press release that they sent out for the attendance. They announced uh, the combined attendance for both nights, 51,350. And they do note here, next year's WrestleMania will take place Sunday, April 3rd. So in the press release, they are giving the, the specific one night date for next year. Let's go up next to Kevin. Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin Olenek. First of all, what'd you think of WrestleMania? I, um, I preferred, I think it it was probably the emotion, like even the start of night one, when you saw the the wrestlers at the start, sort of, I think the organic moments in night one just felt better than night two. I think uh, the way that night went started. And then of course the image of Bianca and Sasha mm-hmm. uh, before the start of that match, that's just hard to get over. And um, I'm one, I, I, I have to admit it took me a long time to kind of just get that feeling of that Randy Orton fiend match out of my system. It, Cause it was just, it was, it was so bad. Um, unfortunately I, and, and all of the Hogan Titus stuff, I, I, I feel felt so bad for Titus to be with Hogan. I just, just so frustrated for him and just a very poor use of Bailey too. Um, but other than that, I thought like most of the matches were really a high quality. Um, I did like other than, other than the Orton fee match, there wasn't a match like I deeply hated that much in the tag team turmoil. That was a bit of a mess. And, but other than that, I, you know, it was great. And I, I agree. I think keeping this, like, I would have liked to have seen edge win, but I, I think keeping this belt on reigns for a long time, you still, is great. Um, you still could go back to the triple threat and go to Brian and Edge for a while, and you can let the Cesaro story develop. And I wouldn't be, I would be opening to seeing Reigns and Cesaro when fans come back, for sure. That would be, and maybe you give Cesaro that 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 win that night. I think that that would be a really cool moment. Thank you very much, Kevin. Appreciate the call. Let's go up next to Marcus. Marcus, what's going on? If you're there, Marcus, going once, going twice, maybe I didn't hit this button properly, but uh, maybe we'll try you again later, Marcus. Let's go up next to, I believe this is Jeremy. Yeah, it's Jeremy. Uh, hey, Jeremy. I, hey. Uh, sorry, I had you on speaker there. Um, uh, I just wanted to uh, say that I'm so glad to see in that press release that WrestleMania is only going to be the one night uh being there live for two nights in a row uh i would never want to do that again i right. just you you are a first person that is is advocating for the one night wrestlemania but uh i mean from a live perspective um it 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 might replace the uh the convenience of having it uh split up over two nights for the viewer at home yeah well i mean i can definitely understand you know that there's streaming obligation and you know some people like, like to have the shows shorter uh, for me personally, I mean, I've been to, to most WrestleManias since WrestleMania 24, and I, I went to New Jersey. I, I was happy with the eight hours. I mean, I, 
to, I mean, it, it a, a lot of it was just inconveniences on, you know, on, on going there live and the live experience, getting there, getting back, you know, everything that you have to do twice just to see a show, especially because tonight's show did not need to be as long as it was. It seemed like they were trying to stretch out the time uh, of the match. It's so many different breaks in, in the action. It really took me out of it and on the, on the live experience. Uh, it, it, I, I actually almost fell asleep about halfway through the show, just because wow. I, I I could not I, I could not get into any of the matches. I don't know if it was the combination of like the first couple that weren't good, and then just it it just seemed like I couldn't get into anything. And I I kind of got back into it on the triple threat because that was one of the main things I was looking forward to on the weekend. I was really looking forward to Kevin and Sammy's match too, and that. It didn't seem like they gave that match any time at all, which I thought was ridiculous. Those two guys can work their butts off, and you didn't even give them a chance. I mean, the main thing that the crowd wanted to see, they got to see, they got, you know, Logan Paul getting stunned. But give them a chance to work. Uh, and, and that was, I, I think, this the theme of tonight's show is it, you had so many opportunities that you just filled with fluff. And it was, it was just ridiculous. I, I do have to give them... Uh, props on the COVID stuff tonight. They did do the questionnaire. They did take the temperature. Um, mm. You know, so it was, it was stuff they were supposed to do last night, but it was nice to see them finally do it tonight. There was a lot more signage up, uh, recommending social distancing and, you know, you, you do all that. But, uh, yeah, definitely, I, I would never want to uh, have another two-night wrestling. It's just, uh, it, it was just, I felt so good after last night. Uh, and I'm just like frustrated after tonight that it, it didn't bring down the weekend. I still had a, a great time <clears throat> and I, I probably, I, I don't, I would have to consider if I went to, uh, you know, if they had another two, two day WrestleMania, if I would go to both of them, uh, if I didn't go to both of them, I wouldn't go to any of them. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, anyway, it was just, uh, just interesting night. Uh, it can really get into, but I, I enjoyed last night's, uh, so, but anyway, thank you guys so much for your work. Uh, really appreciate all that you guys do. Well, thanks for the live report uh, th- for our, for all the shows uh, that you went to, Jeremy. We appreciate it. You know, it really seems like they're making a concerted effort to like move things along to keep things within that three three and a half hour window. And I, I, think I that felt was- that tonight. I mean, that's it's kind of the balance that we'll talk about like other shows where it's you know it's the big show of the year or something big they've built to, and at times it's like you're getting those. 35 40 minute main events and that can be a drain on people too like tonight they were i mean it's always the balance wrestlemania it typically goes it slides to the other side of the scale where it's just not having enough time for a lot and tonight it was you know you certainly saw some of that in the middle but i thought it was a better balancing act in that sense like it was you know we got 17 minutes or so last night for your main event 21 tonight it was like you know reasonable times that I, I wouldn't say either main event got got shortchanged let's try marcus again marcus are you there yes yes uh thank you guys um i was also there uh both nights uh tonight and yesterday um and i thought i could provide some insight on the uh natalia uh tamina match by the crowd was so hot you know going into it um after the randy match everybody was dead it was just shot but, um, you know, I have to give props to Natalia, who really, really worked the crowd in those breaks. I don't think it came off on camera, but she was constantly turning around, uh, getting the Tamina chant started and whatnot. Mm. And it really got us no, all it, it, in, that, a, in a match that we. Yeah, um, that detail that was, was not kind of right off. 
Yeah, that detail might not be totally apparent to somebody watching at home. So that's thank you for mentioning that. No, and like you like you guys were saying earlier, that dreaded uh second match side, you know, putting a veteran like Natalia and she really made the most of her time and it really um, you know, played off of yesterday, getting Tamina over uh, with the final move. And then uh, today as well, you know, getting those chance started and whatnot just didn't uh, end up going their way. Um, how, how did then, you like the the back-to-back nights? Because we just had a caller who said like the second night, it was like pretty tough to to get through. But how did you, from a live perspective, having the the two-night formula? You know, I'm I'm split. I've, I've only been to two manias, the 33 in Orlando and, and this one. And um, going into the one today, I found it a little harder to get motivated to go out there. Like I was trained after, you know, the raw emotion from first night and whatnot. But, you know, once I got there, you know, got the blood pumping and whatnot. So, you know, I, I, I could go either way. Um, I'd like to see it go back to one night, but at the same time, I wouldn't be hurt if it stayed on two. All right. Appreciate the call, Marcus. Thank you very much for that live take. Uh, Let's go up next to Kevin. Kevin, thank you for waiting patiently. What's on your mind? Hey guys, um, I wanted to talk about the main event um, because I'm trying to understand why Daniel Bryan was added to this match. I first of all, Edge was the babyface. This is totally a babyface story. He had a huge reaction because it's amazing that you know this is ten years after he was forced to retire. He's coming back to WrestleMania. He's going for the championship, and it's such an easy story to tell. Such an easy story. You know, we talked a lot last night about the realness and and this was just handed to them. This easy story to tell of uh, this person fighting so hard to come back to wrestling, to fight for this title. And they turn him heel and they add Daniel Bryan to the match. So do you think this is because like once they realize like, oh, wait, we want Roman Reigns to retain the title. So therefore we're going to turn edge heel. So if he loses there's not this uh, disappointment. And then Daniel Bryan kind of takes the pinfall, but then they both got pinned anyway. So I'm just really kind of confused. And you know, what were they thinking in making this a triple threat, but still having Roman retained? I like, I don't mind that Roman retained. It's just, I don't understand why they did it the way they did. What was wrong with having Edge lose as a baby face? I think that it would have been fine to have done it that way. I don't think it's... it. It would have been like a classic WWE story to build up this like heroic story of Edge coming back. And on the anniversary of his retirement, he loses to Roman Reigns. But I also feel like if you had like a solid idea in mind, that's not an impossible story to do that. Okay, it's a at the end of the day, this guy is coming back from neck surgery. He's 47 and he is fighting the champion that is in his prime. You could have Rocky Balboa. That's it. He loses Mm. at the end. Um, I think. Given like it's very tough in this time to kind of assess like what is working, who is connecting. And I think that if we were in front of crowds, my educated guess would have been that during this time period, I think you would have had a a surge for Brian that adding him to this match would have added that solid baby face to the crowd. And I think that was their thinking of all of this. I also think it made for a better match to have Brian involved and the buildup to this. Like I thought Brian added to this mix. I didn't think he detracted from it with edge and reigns, even though there was this natural story of it just being the singular story of edge uh, coming back and headlining WrestleMania. So I, I didn't have an issue with the addition of Brian to the match, but uh, I can see from others thinking like you had this 
ready-made story, but I think they had already decided we're going in a different direction with all of this. But again, like you're not gauging this off of fans. Like the audience might've loved Edge throughout this whole time. And it would have been a clear, distinct heel and baby face. You're doing a lot of guesswork when you're making these alterations to characters and stories. And that's the funny thing is, you know, the whole buildup was in the Thunderdome. So it's just up to up to them to push the cheer button or the boo button for that's Edge, it. right? That's <laughs> it. You're, you're going off of instinct and gut. And that's becomes very difficult when suddenly you have a show in front of real fans. And I mean, tonight, Edge was the biggest baby face coming out of the three. And I would have if I had to have guessed, I would have thought Reigns had a pretty good shot of getting a positive reaction. So he did not. It was it's there is i think some some leeway you give of just it's guesswork of how people are going to react to these um and and i think they had that that feeling about brian and also finding a spot for him on this card i think just everything was in alignment that listen this will enhance this match and it's not like we have some other program for brian either they need baby faces that's all i'll say they definitely thanks guys yes thank you kevin appreciate the call kevin let's go to the forum right now and see what feedback is up there uh, forum.postwrestling.com, which uh, the, the rating has jumped up to a solid six, John. Look at that. Yeah, it's, it's skyrocketed here from a, a 6.04. Jalen writes, he's been burnt out on wrestling for the past few months, but the main event had me intrigued, so I caught the beginning and end of the show. Orton was the perfect person to open the show, and his white and red gear was great. The Fiend entrance was a genuine spectacle. It's just a shame the awfulness of the feud continued here once the bell rung. So his high points were the gear and uh, the entrance for the Fiend. Main event was interesting, and I think they played the Shades of Grey aspect properly. After all the years of WWE misfiring with Roman and Mania main events, they finally got one right. Let's go to Ben, who says, Night 2 felt like WrestleMania. Grand entrances, fans, and majority of matches were good. The main event absolutely stole the show. My three complaints were the Fiend debacle, the women's tag, and all the camera cuts. The camera cuts were brutal. The kendo stick shots in that Nigerian drum fight were nauseating. Every Every, single strike. Every instance of of ground and pound that you had from anybody was, was a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like once you focus on them, there's no unnoticing them. It's brutal. Mm. MJ, this mania was by far the most enjoyable mania I can remember in a long time. It felt really special for the obvious reasons, but also by how many stars got chances to perform. It was actually a rather heartwarming mania, and to see how much it all clearly meant to the performers added to the special feeling that I thought had disappeared from the past few marathon versions. Uh, Two nights lets the matches breathe, moments set in, and help make this mania one I think I'll remember fondly for a long time. I think that's a great point that if we had combined all of this, you're not ending off the show with this triple threat and also having the significance of a Bianca's win. I think that even, even as I, I mean, I think you go back to 2019 that think about the idea. If for one night we ended with Kofi and the next night was the women having their own night. I think that match is Mm. viewed upon much more differently uh, with its own night attached to it. Instead, like we were there, it was, it peaked with Kofi and there was no following that. Totally agreed. Or, you know, the, the women's three-way with uh, Ronda, Charlotte and Becky, if that didn't go on at the end of a seven hour show. Exactly. Yeah. If that had been earlier or had it uh, like a separate night, I think it's uh, definitely viewed differently because I mean, it was like, I've seen better involving those, those, 
performers. Uh, it wasn't like the best match, but it was also, I think fatigue also played a factor in that. Let's go to Brandon from Oshawa who says, with Austin being so heavily featured in next year's Mania ad. No, I know him. no, no. <laughs> He's not wrestling. I know that, that as soon as I saw that ad for the first time, like we're going to get a year of this question. Yeah. Well, what's the latest? What has he said? Like, has that, has he entertained? Dude, he has never, all? like, he has not, I guess there were, t- the Brock interview. I guess that's what people would go to, where I think that was Austin. Just, I think he loves getting into promo mode and loves the idea of just playing Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I really don't think from, like, the physical standpoint, listen, think I, think about the offers that he has probably received in the last 18 years to come back and do a massive Hogan, Brock, probably Cena. Like, I'm sure that there have been tons of offers that that guy has said no to that he's not doing it at this age. Well, they got Shawn Michaels to come out of retirement with a truckload of money for Saudi Arabia. So I have to imagine Steve Austin probably has received, if not bigger offers than Shawn. Uh, but I, you know, certainly for a hosting role that they seem to do for every year now, he seems to be a shoe. Oh, I certainly would expect him to have a role on the show. I be that would that would definitely make a lot of sense. Yep. Um, let's skip down here to B from New York. Uh, overall, a much needed experience for I think a lot of us to have this type of normal. This type of normal again. Maybe that slants the perception of this weekend, but all in all, I have few complaints about the two nights of WrestleMania. It's been a trying year, but this is a reminder of what an enjoyable distraction from real-life wrestling can be. Uh, the card itself had few exceptional moments. Everything was solid, and if you want anything to, and if you want anything to hit it out of the park, it's the main event. Reigns, Brian, Edge did just that. A real feeling of urgency, big and unique spots, and your biggest star feeling like your biggest star at the end of the night. This was my match of the weekend. I'm more than fine with Reigns winning and clearing out of two of the major babyface contenders. While strange, it does give them an excuse to go with a new contender on the babyface side, like a Cesaro or Biggie or NXT call-up. Keeping it shorter on other stuff, some things I particularly was glad to see was Owens and Zayn getting to have their WrestleMania match with no shenanigans. Sheamus coming off his best singles run of the past half decade, getting a big moment, and a real focus on creating new stars in Ripley and Bianca Belair. Andrew from St. John says, I felt like last night's show had a medium first half and a super exciting second half, but I felt like this one had a tr- had trouble ma- hitting the same heights. I have no interest in watching Riddle because of speaking out, so I checked out and had a problem uh, in checking back in until the main event. I was extremely hyped for Brian, but would have been happy for Edge. Of course, we got neither. Highlights of the weekend were Bianca Cesaro and Bad Bunny. And we are going to end off the feedback with Muggin. He said that night two got the least important matches out of the way first, but from Owen Zane onward, it picked up from there. Edge got a thunderous reaction, which just felt right. The main event was tremendous as he, Brian and Reigns put on a triple threat that had a lot of suspense, inventive spots, and was great to see Roman get booed for the right reasons. The hangover is going to be brutal. Let's end the show off with one more call. We go to Australia. Rory, what's going on? Hey guys, uh, just wanted to call in quickly. I just came from the uh, from the bar uh, where I watched it. Um, there was a thunderous booze for Roman uh, winning. Uh, there, like everybody wanted Edge to win so so much. Like everybody was fully behind him. They didn't mind if Brian won. They but like they really wanted Edge to win. Um, it was uh, everybody was so so happy about Rhea. Um, 
like there was a like a thunderous applause and a thunderous ovation when she won. Uh, I, I think I I think I even saw I think I even saw one man cry. Um, so yeah, very emo- oh. <laughs> very very emotional scenes. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's a, a fantastic fantastic atmosphere over here for it. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, as uh, someone previously said before, didn't quite have that sort of like you know sports entertainment level to it. Like it didn't really like it was great wrestling, great great performances all up. But uh, no, it was it was really really solid, uh, really solid show. But for me, um, I really I really wanted uh, Edge to win. Uh, me personally, because uh, I thought that would have been a fantastic statement. Uh, but I think it's going to be Brock Lesnar now. I think that's going to be the guy who takes it from Reigns and they do the Paul Heyman story uh, coming out of it. It's a big match to go to, and I think you just. Like whether they wait for fans to do that, whether that's something that you hold off for a year. I mean, those to me, those would be the targets to me. If not SummerSlam, that could be WrestleMania next year, um, depending on what what Brock wants to do and when the company is, you know, wanting to pull the trigger on that because that is the obvious match that is staring staring you right dead in the face. I think it's the natural go to at some point. Thank you, everybody, for all of your feedback on the forum and all the calls. Uh, all of you guys, very excellent. Uh, so thank you for joining us. If you were one of the people tuning in live on our Zoom calls, we do this live for Rewind of Raw, Rewind of SmackDown, Rewind of Dynamite, and all our pay-per-views. Uh, live for all Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. Live for all patrons on Fridays with the Rewind of SmackDown. So it's always fun here. We packed the Zoom room tonight, John. A lot of people wanted to chat. Yeah, yeah, we will put out our press release with our uh, two-night uh, attendance. Uh, but yes, thank you to all of you that joined us uh, throughout the week for our coverage, um, any and all of it, and these uh, these past couple of nights doing these shows live. We appreciate all of it. Quickly, did you watch the Jericho interview? Uh, yes, I did. You want to talk about it tomorrow, or, or do you want to... Uh, let's save it for tomorrow, because I imagine most people have not seen it yet. So let's, let's save that for Monday. Uh, we can chat a bit about it, but yes, that is uh, up on the WWE network and we will be back Monday night, 1115 Eastern for double, double ice cap and espresso patrons. And all of our WrestleMania week coverage is all up at postwrestling.com. Again, a thank you to Andrew Thompson, John Ceno, Eric Marcotte, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman doing multiple watch alongs this week. You can check out all of their work at the up next feed and twitch.tv slash upnextpodcast. And that is it. Our WrestleMania coverage comes to a close, and now it is the night after WrestleMania as we start anew towards WrestleMania Backlash. It's, what do you call the place after the destination? Um, the the uh, mistake? Like knock knock, it's like oh no, over there. The 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 pit stop, like going too far beyond the destination, so you have to turn, make a U turn, and then go back. Maybe that's their final destination. Final, final, yes, okay. All right, guys, thanks a lot.